0: Welcome to the sermon ministry of River Community Church, a congregation of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church located in Prairieville, Louisiana. Our purpose is to help people live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ. We welcome you to worship with us on Sundays at 10.30 a.m. and to learn more about us at rivercommunity.org. hear the word of God from the gospel of Mark chapter 1 verses 29 to 39. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother in law lay ill with a fever and immediately they told him about her. And he came and took her by the hand and lifted her up and the fever left her and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown And they found him and said to him, Everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, Let us go onto the next towns, that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. This is the word of God. Be to God. Amen. Well, the last time I remember being in a situation. Like this, where I was staring at a camera, was my preaching class in seminary, which means that I only have terrible, terrible memories of this sort of experience. I don't know how this uh, is going to go. We're uh, brand new at this. Uh, we're going to keep working at it each week, trying to get a little better, a little more comfortable with it. So we do hope for your grace. But, be, but given the fact that this is new and that this is the preaching of the Word and it is powerful and effective Whether we're in the same room together or apart, let us start appropriately with a word of prayer. Father in heaven, we do come to worship you in spirit and in truth, and that means distance bears no effect on our ability to worship you. We are together in the spirit, and I pray, Heavenly Father, right now that your spirit would be searching our hearts. Drawing our attentions to focus and making us, Father, hungry and ready to receive your word, your nourishment today. Father, make me a refined and pure vessel that I would preach your word and not my own. Edify your people and glorify your name. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we uh, are in strange times. And as I'm trying to figure out what to do with these strange times, I'm also I'm, I'm trying to balance two things, not ignoring it, but also at the same time trying to, to preserve a sense of normalness with our worship. And so I want to continue with our sermon series that we've been going through uh, on the disciple Peter. And I think that we can do both looking at the disciple Peter and grasping our present circumstance, at the same time. Last week we saw this as we saw Peter walking on the sea with Jesus, and we got to see the seven assurances that we have when we keep our focus on Jesus. And if you haven't been able to listen to that message, if you weren't here and, and haven't had a chance to listen to it, I do think that that would be a great message for you to uh, get familiar with, to listen. So last week we look at the assurances, what we have in God. But As I've been thinking about this week and, and how strange it is, uh, there were two things that were occupying my mind. One, how do we make sense of being separate and worshiping together? What, what do we make sense of, of, of this sort of, of circumstance? How do, we, how do we understand it from the gospel's perspective? And also, the second is, if, if you're like me, and you've just been in your house, you want to know what you can do. And so this sermon today is just as much gospel-centered But it is is much more focused on what can we do in these present circumstances? How do we live in and live out the good news given what we are doing? As I've been thinking about this issue of of what it means to to not be able to worship in the same room, I've been thinking about Dietrich Bonhoeffer's book, Life Together. Dietrich Bonhoeffer was uh, probably uh, one of the most, well, he certainly is one of the most significant theologians of the twentieth century. Uh, He was a theologian in under Nazi Germany and was one of the few lights of truth at that time. One of his most important books is Life Together and it talks about the, the importance and the preciousness of the gift of community and of being together. And he says this very early on in the book. He says it is easily forgotten that the community of Christians is a gift of grace from the kingdom of God a gift that can be taken from us any day. And those words seem to be very applicable to our present circumstance. Suddenly, the privilege of worshiping together, at least physically, has been interrupted. And I hope that as we go through this time that our yearning for being together as the community of God would grow, But we need to recognize that every Sunday that we have where we get to be together is a gift of grace, something that we can thank God for. Bonhoeffer's words are true and and they are sad. I would much rather be preaching to you in the room together than apart. They are sad, but I also want us to recognize they are not an accident. What is happening to us, the, the fact that we're worshiping in a new way, the, the fact that you are uh, disrupted in your life is not an accident. This is not the, the, the tragedy of a virus. Jesus is interrupting our patterns for a reason. I want you to recognize that Jesus is in this, Jesus is doing something in this. What for? Well, I, I, it's above my pay grade. It's impossible for me to know entirely. I can assure you that whatever is being done is being done to conform us more to Christ. That the circumstances that we are in are given to us to move us forward as disciples. And I think in that respect, our text today provides insight on what God is doing, what Jesus is doing through these circumstances. The text from Mark chapter 1 is uh, basically a day in the life of Jesus and his ministry. And one of the things that we see in Jesus' ministry in Mark chapter 1 is just how active it is, how on the move Jesus is. He is going from place to place. And he what is he doing? Verse 15 is kind of the the, the theme verse for all of of this ministry section of the Gospel of Mark. And we're told in Mark 1.15 these words, The time is fulfilled, and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the Gospel. What Jesus is doing is he is going through the region of Galilee, and he is preaching that the kingdom of God is at hand, and that the people must repent and believe in the Gospel. That is what Jesus' ministry is all about. It is about advancing the kingdom of God. Now, what is the kingdom of God? The kingdom of God is simply the place, or I should say the people, where God reigns. And most specifically, it is the people where Jesus reigns, where Jesus is Lord and Savior. And so Jesus is going through Galilee announcing that the kingdom of God is here. God's reign has come. Repent. Put yourself under his lordship and believe in his Savior, the Messiah, Jesus. So that is what the kingdom of God is. That is what Jesus' ministry is all about. And we understand that ministry to understand what it means to be a disciple. The series that we are in is titled, Follow Me. Those are the essence words of of discipleship. It's the words that Jesus used to call Peter into discipleship. And in this passage, we see Peter is there, Following Jesus around, he is, he is a, 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 an agent, he is an actor in this scene. And so what is happening? Peter is learning what follow me will involve. The word follow in discipleship is such an important word that we don't, we don't want to miss. Follow does not mean bulk up on books and factoids. Follow is an action. It means to go where Jesus goes. It means to pursue what Jesus pursues. And so as we see Jesus' mission is to advance the kingdom of God, the disciple lives to advance the kingdom of God. And he does that by following where Jesus leads. When we look at this passage, I think we see something that helps us in our present moment, helps us understand the changes and the disruption that we are in. Because Peter is going to learn, as a fisherman who has been used to living in one place, doing things very much routine, that advancing the kingdom of God doesn't stay put. Advancing the kingdom of God doesn't live in walls. Advancing the kingdom of God is something that travels how? Well, as we look at this passage, we are going to see two ways that the disciple is to advance the kingdom of God. The first, the, the, the disciple advances the kingdom of God by going further into knowing Christ as believers. We look at verses 29 to 34 to, to see this. Now, when I say the word further, you might be thinking the kingdom of God as I understand it, you're either in the kingdom of God or you're outside of the kingdom of God. So what, what's this idea of going further into the kingdom of God? Well, you're absolutely right. The kingdom of God is something you were either in or you were not in. And so before we get any further, it is important that we understand what it means to be in the kingdom of God. It is important that we understand what is the gospel and that you personally know that you have received the gospel. The gospel is articulated for us in the language of the kingdom by the Apostle Paul in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13 and 14, where we are told that God has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved Son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You see, the gospel is the story that you live in this world, you live in a kingdom of darkness where you have been controlled by sin, you have been controlled by desires that are contrary to God, you are living in a world that does not love God or want anything to do with God, your sense of goodness, your sense of righteousness is all self-serving and self-motivated, it's not out of love for God. And so the kingdom that Jesus is invading is is a kingdom of selfishness, a kingdom of sin, a kingdom of idolatry, where something other than the one true God is made ultimate in our life. You may be experiencing that right now. The, The thing that you have found most ultimate in your life is shaking, like the economy, like your job like your your sense of of success or position in this world. All of these things are being shaken. And we're finding that a lot of the things that we have trusted in, in in the kingdoms of this world aren't permanent. In fact, they are quite fragile. But the gospel tells us that Jesus came to bring in a new kingdom a kingdom that is permanent, a kingdom that is made of light, a kingdom of God's beloved Son, a kingdom of forgiveness and of redemption. That kingdom is given to all who come to Jesus Christ and believe in the gospel. That means that they trust in Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. And if you have not done that, if you have not come to a place where you say, I have trusted In things that are not going to last, I have not trusted myself fully in God. I am a sinner. If you have have not done that, I I urge you, I, 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 I exhort you, please come to Jesus and accept Him as Lord and Savior. And these verses will be true. You will have been transferred from this kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of your beloved Son, of His beloved Son, which is to say, you are in the kingdom. But when I talk about this idea of going further into knowing Christ as believers, I want us to recognize that the kingdom is not just like a light switch. Is it on? Is it off? The kingdom is something that we pursue our whole life. We go deeper into it. We experience more of its fullness. We grow in it. Perhaps the analogy of marriage might help. Yes, you are either in marriage or you're outside of marriage. But if you are in marriage... There is a whole lot of going in and learning and becoming one and experiencing life together that is involved in going in to marriage. And so, as we talk about further, I'm I'm talking about the understanding of of knowing Jesus, our King, better and better. The Gospel of Mark has the Apostle Peter standing behind it. Church tradition which is very sound on this point, uh, understands that Mark was a disciple of the apostle Peter. And what Mark wrote when he wrote the gospel were basically the memories that Peter told Mark about his life as a disciple. And if you understand that and you look at this passage, you see very quickly that it has uh, an eyewitness aspect to it. It, it. it has the flavor of Peter in it. These are Peter's memories. He is, he is retelling us a day of, of uh, early in his discipleship where he was walking with Jesus and it's vivid to him. We know that Peter stands behind this because this is the only explanation for why the first miracle that we're told here is Peter's mother-in-law is being healed of a fever. This shows us, of course, that uh, uh, Peter is, is a, a preacher just like anyone else Um He he is actually the first one to pick on one of his family members for a, a sermon illustration. But the key point, you laugh just as much when you're here as when you're not here, by the way. The key point is Peter is getting to know his king, Jesus. And this passage is showing how vividly he is remembering these initial encounters that shape the relationship that he is beginning with Jesus. What is he discovering about Jesus as he is in this passage as as an observer? He is discovering that Jesus is present. Jesus comes to his house. Jesus is dwelling in Simon Peter's house. Peter is seeing that Jesus is truly powerful. He touches his mother-in-law and lifts her out of the fever completely. Peter sees that Jesus is full of compassion. We're told that a throng, the whole town comes to the door seeking healing and seeking exorcism. And Jesus stays and ministers to everyone at the door. His compassion is deep. And Peter sees that Jesus is in control. When he casts out demons, he has the authority to command those demons not to speak. Now, demons are the most rebellious creatures that exist. And yet they are forced to obey the word of Jesus because Jesus is in complete control. These experiences, these realizations that Peter have, they are the the, the seedbed of what Peter uh, begins to trust more and more in and and use to understand more fully that Jesus is Lord and Savior. And so when when we look at this, we see that Peter, as as he's reminiscing and sharing the story with Mark, is showing us that it's it's this experience with Jesus that still lives vitally to him many years later. He has been going further into knowing Christ, and it begins in these experiences. Beloved, right now, in this circumstance, we can do what Peter is doing. We can be going further into knowing Christ as believers. Beloved, now is the time to be advancing the kingdom in your heart by knowing him better. In fact, you know what God's primary place for discipleship, for knowing him is? It's actually not the church building. It has always been the home. The home is God's designed institution for you to grow together as a family, knowing him. The most famous law in the Old Testament called the Shema in Deuteronomy chapter 6 verses 4 to 9 says this, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. where the the discipleship and the raising up of children to know and love God is to happen most completely. This is an opportunity that we have to to prioritize and develop a new habit of family worship. Let us not neglect it. Let us make our homes spaces of worship. And so as I was thinking about how, how could I help you do that, I wanted to bring some resources that I would just encourage you. You can get these resources on the Internet. You can get them on Kindle or perhaps if you already have them in your library. But these are things, these are are books that you could use to develop a a family worship time if you were not already. First of all as we've been using the the New City Catechism. This is a a wonderful 52 questions uh, breakdown of the basics of our faith. And I hope that you would take advantage of, of using that. You can get an app at newcitycatechism.com to uh, go through those with your family. Another great book is this one by by J.I. Packer called Growing in Christ. It goes through the Lord's Prayer, the Apostles' Creed, the Ten Commandments, uh, each of those piece by piece to show us the, the essential beliefs of every believer. Again, you can find this on Kindle. Each chapter is about one or two pages long, has a couple questions that you can use to talk about these important doctrines together. I also have really enjoyed Paul David Tripp's New Morning Mercies. There's a devotional for each day of the year that you can use. And then another classic is Charles Spurgeon's Morning and Evening. They are devotions that are about a page long with a scripture that you can use to have some family worship each day in your home. I give these resources to you to show you that this is available and this is something that's already been done. I hope that you will take this opportunity to make family worship a priority. And if you already are, then let me encourage you to continue. So the first thing that that Peter discovers it means as a disciple to advance the kingdom of God is to always be going further into knowing Christ. And we have no impairment into going further into knowing Christ. That is still something we can very much do. But second, I want us to look at the second part that disciples, uh, that, that, uh, disciples do to advance the kingdom of God, or the second way, I should say. And that is by going further out as missionaries, by going further out as missionaries. Now, Peter just had the thrill of his life, an amazing day of ministry where everybody in the town came to Peter's house, and they wanted to to see Jesus. And so you know that Peter experienced some some fame from all of this. This was a great time. He'd he'd been a, a fisherman living in this area probably without too much significance. He probably wasn't all that famous. He probably had a good name, but, you know, he's just another fisherman. But now, suddenly, he's home and he's somebody. That is something that could be very comfortable. That could be something he could get very used to. That could be a great new routine. And that seems to be what's Peter's objective, when we look at verse 37, he, he wakes up in the morning, Jesus cannot be found, so he's, he's trying to figure out where Jesus is so he can have another day of, of great success like this. And so in verse 37, we see Jesus finally finding Peter, and he says uh, to him, everyone is looking for you, i.e. there's a lot more to do, Jesus. There's a lot more healing to do. There's a lot more like we did yesterday. Let's get back to that. Let's keep doing more of that. But it's a surprise for Jesus to, for, for Peter to find out that's not Jesus' plan. And that's why we see here in the second part that going further means going further out as missionaries. Peter must learn from Jesus what his mission is. Jesus describes his mission in verse 38. A profound verse that helps us know exactly what Jesus came to do. Verse 38, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. Jesus doesn't want to go back to do more miracle working. He doesn't want to go back to being a celebrity. Upon his shoulders is the burden of going to other towns to preach the kingdom of God. And so he must go onward. This is a fundamental uh, thing we must grasp about Jesus. Jesus did not come to be a temporary healer. We do read all of these miracles and these exorcisms, and they are amazing. But Jesus did all of this healing to be a sign of what his primary purpose was. And his primary purpose was to preach himself as the Savior of the world the miracles and the healings and the exorcisms were done to authenticate the message, I am the Christ. I am the one who takes away your sins. You see, Peter is here getting caught up in the, in the side demonstration, getting caught up in, in the, 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 the miracles and losing sight of the mission. Jesus came, not for temporary healing, but to preach an eternal gospel to destroy sin and death. When he doesn't go back to Peter's hometown and instead chooses the mission, he is choosing to take a step forward towards the cross. He is going to destroy sin And death. And the reason that Jesus' mission is to preach the gospel, to preach, to destroy sin and death, is because that is far more serious of a malady than any illness or any sickness. You see, the infection of sin leads to death and eternal separation from God. Jesus came to destroy our greatest enemy. And we must not lose sight of that being his mission. And it is the proclaiming of that message that is most essential. So Peter must come to terms with the fact that following Jesus means being on the move. Following Jesus means not staying in the comfortable place of home. It means allowing Jesus to disrupt everything. And those, those disruptions and that realization comes by Peter grasping an essential two-letter word to the mission, and that is the word go. I spell it G-O, but there is, I guess, a five-letter spelling which you may be using at any rate pronounced Go. Peter likes to stay put. He's he's very much like me, like you. Peter doesn't like change. He's the son of a fisherman. He's probably hoping to pass on his business at some point to another son. Peter likes steadiness. He likes things to stay put. As so we go through the stories of Peter in, in the New Testament, we see that he is typically the one who is trying to, to hold on to something. When we're in the transfiguration, when Jesus is transformed and he reveals his glory, Je- Peter blurts out, uh, let's, let's build some tents so we can dwell here for a while. Uh, many commentators think that Peter's idea is let's just live in this moment, let's stretch this moment out forever when we go into the the church days and it comes time for God's mission to reach out to the Gentiles and God reveals a a vision to Peter to welcome the Gentiles into the fold, he responds to a word of God, no, I won't do that, when he was being given this this image of eating uh, foods that were considered unclean. That was God's way of explaining, no, it is time to realize that in Christ there is no separation of people's. But Peter was was content and settled for a while, and he struggled a great deal to see the mission of the kingdom of God go across Jewish lines into the world. Christ disrupts Peter's settling tendency over and over again by prompting him to go. One of the most surprising ways that Jesus prompts the apostles to go is in the book of Acts in the eighth chapter. We read seven chapters of the the young church preaching in Jerusalem and having great success. But the Great Commission was to preach in Jerusalem and into Samaria and into the ends of the earth. And at some point we realize that those last two parts of the Great Commission are not taking place. And so... Jesus actually uses persecution upon the church to scatter the early believers out of Jerusalem to go into Samaria. You see, Jesus used persecution, used something that seemed altogether awful to bring the words, go, into focus and to help his disciples, Peter being one of them, to fulfill their mission. Beloved, We are all called to go. The Great Commission, Jesus' last words in Matthew, are go and make disciples. And so as we think about this passage, these things that that Peter is learning as a disciple to advance the kingdom, and as we think of our present situation, how can we go? What What is possibly being told to us in the words, go, in this situation? How could the fact that we are no longer able to meet as a community for the time being, part of Jesus calling his church to go? I don't know precisely. But it is possible to replace the mission of the church with church involvement. There are many churches that can turn inward and turn away from the mission of going. A regular church community can become insulated and insulating. Perhaps that is something Jesus is trying to break us out of from finding all of our connections, all of our completeness, simply in our church. Because he wants us to go. He wants us to pursue his mission. Perhaps this breaking of of our regular way of worshiping is a way for us to refresh, to break out of a routine that perhaps has brought upon, upon us a bit of complacency. I was told by uh, our member Lola this funny phrase about Christians being big, fat Bible babies. That's a great alliterative phrase. Are we perhaps guilty here at River of becoming big, fat Bible babies? Have we perhaps taken the mission of going, which is uncomfortable, which causes change, which is unpredictable, and instead chosen to stay amongst ourselves, to stay tight-knit. The Christian community is a beautiful thing, but there are really two things about the church. There is what's called the church gathered and the church scattered. The church gathered is when we all come together for worship. But another part of the church is when it is scattered, when it goes out into the world. We are still and always the church. We are still and always the people with the message of hope and life. And now perhaps because God has has made a time where we cannot participate in the church gathered like we are used to, It is Jesus' way to say, practice being the church scattered. Beloved, Jesus, I believe, is using this time to remind us church is not a building. It's a people who live in, and live out the good news of Jesus Christ to the world. And when we recognize that, we're still able to worship. But now God has reminded us of our mission, and he has placed us in our mission field. Listen to Dietrich Bonhoeffer again in his book, Life Together. He says, Jesus came for the express purpose of bringing peace to the enemies of God, So Christians, too, belong not in the seclusion of a cloistered life, but in the midst of enemies. There they find their mission, their work. They will be the seed of the kingdom of God in all the world. Beloved, right now you are a seed of the kingdom of God in your neighborhood and in your community. You are there right now. It is time to ask God, how do I fulfill the mission to go where I am? It is time for us to learn how to be the church scattered. You right now are in a ripe mission field. One thing that my wife did uh, just a couple days ago was text all of the neighbors that we knew in our neighborhood to, to ask them, how can our family pray for your family? She sent this out to uh, unchurched families and churched families, to Muslim families, to international families, to families of all different stripes. There's all nations in our neighborhood. And she was able to get back ready responses from all of our friends so that we can be praying for them. Beloved, I believe we are in a time where our communities are ripe asking questions looking for hope, needing answers. This may be the day and the time, the season, for us to reach out and say, how can I pray for you to break the barrier of a spiritual conversation and to pray for God to give us opportunities? Beloved, reach out to your neighbors, to your friends. Invite them to be part of this worship service. Go into these places. Tell of your hope in Christ. Let me finish with a word of assurance. As Jesus tells us at the very end of the Gospel of Matthew, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold... I am with you always to the end of the age. Beloved, he has made himself known to us. He has all authority. We know what to do. And our mission cannot fail. He promises to be with us. Beloved, let us be given to advancing the kingdom of God by going further in to knowing him and further out in making him known. Amen. Now at this time in our service, where we would love to ordinarily be celebrating the Lord's table, we are going to practice another means of grace, the means of grace of prayer, where again we experience that we worship in spirit and in truth. We pray together to our Father. And so we are going to pray the Lord's Prayer together. Join me now. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Thank you for listening. We hope you've been blessed by this sermon from River Community Church. We are a congregation of the Evangelical Presbyterian Church located in Prairieville, Louisiana whose purpose is to help people live in and live out the good news of Jesus Christ. We welcome you to worship with us on Sundays at 1030 a.m. and to learn more about us at rivercommunity.org.